Today's episode of Jam Session is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap. With just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day, have your tickets delivered straight to your phone, and enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. And if you can't go to a game or show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you'll pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal, all right from your phone. So drop your old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda's back from the Mediterranean. I am. Um, do you feel like a different person? I do, actually. Let me tell you something. Three anecdotes related to celebrities about your vacation. Go. Oh, my God. I do have them. I um, know you do. So I went on a two-week vacation. It was technically my honeymoon. It was really lovely. Mazel tov. Thank you. I'm grateful to everyone who did my job for me so that I could go, uh, including Juliet. Uh, number one, swam in a bay in Sicily where Beyonce had parked her yacht 25 days earlier. That's huge. Less than a month earlier, Beyonce and I shared the same waters. For some reason, I'm imagining the scene in um, Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. No, it was. We had, like, <laughs> it, it was 100% that day because that was the day we convinced, like, some man with a wooden boat to take us driving cool. around. And it was basically Talented Mr. Ripley minus the murder. Minus death. Which cool. was the overarching theme of our trip. That's great. I, which I planned with that in mind. Uh, number two was um we went to a vineyard in mount at like on mount etna which is the volcano Uh, and then as we were paying and i by the way pro tip in italy when you do a wine tasting they just pour whole glasses of wine uh it got dicey for me but (laughs) after i had gone through that experience and we're paying and i spot like a collage up on the wall that's definitely pictures of rihanna at the exact same vineyard, which I just, I had had enough wine that I was very vocal in my excitement <laughs> about the fact that Rihanna had been there. And then so were the Italian women. It was like a real transcending languages moment. Like we are global, like the one true language is Rihanna. And we were all really excited. <laughs> Would you say she's the run- one true queen? Um, yes. She is receiving the MTV VMA Video Vanguard Award on Sunday. She is. It's it's Rihanna season. This is while we're doing personal news, late pass. While you were gone, I've gotten really into anti. It's like super late pass. And that I- is the that is traditionally how people have gotten into anti. But you are the latest of the late passes <laughs> on that one, which is maybe makes you like the most authentic anti. Yeah, I just I was hooked with love on the brain, and I was like, okay. let me explore the later tracks of this record, and now I'm really into it. Um, That's great. Yeah, thank you. You one more bullet point, Amanda. Wait, but does it have to be celebrity related? Um, only because this is jam session and we love celebs. No, but if it's, it's really true. good. No, it's true. I'm just, I'm like trying Anything to. Anything from think. Paris related to celebrities? I mean, you'd think, but we went. In, oh, okay. Yes, I have one. Great. It's, it's like basically tangentially related, which is um, we went to Paris in August. Uh, and shout out to French people who all take the entire month of August yeah. off. All of them do. It's really, they are advanced and we are not. Uh, and I respect them. But. If you're visiting Paris, if it comes like in August, it's a little tricky because half the things are closed. Mm-hmm. However, we had the help of Goop's Paris in August guide. Oh my God. Which is honestly fantastic. <laughs> I don't care. I like say what you will. I, I have already, this has already been like the most humiliating five minutes of my life. Whatever. And, uh, it's been a great five minutes. But also, in my like opinion. the truest expression of myself 
it was really helpful. The goop guides are excellent. Like they just are. They're really Some good. Some people use Lonely Planet. Some people use goop. You know what? We used a Lonely Planet book as well. And it was the judgiest fucking most cynical book that I've ever read. It was like, why on earth would you want to go to this crowded city? Like, why would you even bother going in August? What's wrong with you? It made me feel so bad about my choices. <laughs> Like, this is not a helpful travel guide. Goop, meanwhile, was like, listen, it's okay. You're going to Paris. Most things are closed, but there are still treasures to be had. And it's true. We had lovely dinners. Thank you, Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm really glad to hear that. This is a great segue into our true passion celebrities. This is not on our rundown, but I, I just want to mention that. Did you see that Natalie Portman was hating on Paris? Oh, I did. I was just reading that. She was saying that the people of Paris were very judgmental, and she's happy to be back in L.A. where they're less judgmental. And where, and her, her, where you can wear sandals on the street. Yeah, her example was that no one in Paris would ever go outside in their um, workout clothes but in LA people are free and just like in spandex all the time and while I did go to Sugarfish in spandex last night Mm -hmm. I will say it's not my best look and perhaps people of Paris are right there's a time and a place for exercise clothes and that's at the gym everyone in Paris really did look fantastic we stayed like in a more residential area the Mm. because We went on either side because we were flying in and out. No one cares. But I would love to offer travel tips to anyone who needs them. Um, But we stayed like where the hit people were the second time. They looked really nice. I have never. I felt really, really schlubby. It was also the end of the trip. And people in California dress badly. It's a fact. I mean, San Francisco is leagues worse than L.A. But like on like the geographic spectrum of like L.A., New York, Paris, L.A. is the worst. Paris is the best. And New York's in the middle. It's very true. Just like it is geographically. It's very true. Okay, that was a brief aside, but I'm glad we hit on that one. Yes, thank you for listening to my really dumb travel logs, everyone. (laughs) I'm happy to be in a Natalie Portman moment, by the way. I'm enjoying all the Portman media. I mean, are we all? I'm just honestly counting down until she gives a talk with Jonathan Safran Foer at the 92nd Street Y in New York City, September 6th. I know. I'm going to New York a couple days later. I wish I could fly in for that. Maybe I should change my flight. Um, Speaking of, can we just go briefly? Natalie Portman and Jonathan Safran Foer. Yes. um, This is a ringer. This is a jam session follow up. Yes. It's very quick, but uh, there was a piece on Jonathan Safran Foer in Time Magazine written by Dan D'Addario. No, I'm sorry. Written by Lev Grossman. Uh, and of course it was. Yes, of course it was. But um, it he, he is asked. Jonathan Safran Foer is asked about the the T magazine feature and also all of the gossip surrounding the T magazine feature, which is which I guess propagated like, as, by this podcast, right? Which is I guess as close as you can get. It like did you like write a like unreturned love email to Natalie Portman in two thousand six or whatever? Uh, I was impressed with Jonathan Safran Foer's answer, actually. He said something to the effect of, like, I just don't pay attention, right? Yeah, he was just like, that's not... And and then he's like, that's not a cold or, like, prickly response. I just don't. It's not how I think about it. Which... is a very good brush off. Yeah, totally. This is this is a thing that really frustrates me about celebrities and people getting interviewed in general is that they never they are never prepared for the tough question and right. they always get so upset and they're like, I don't know what to say about that. And, you know, they freak out. And when it's so easy to have like a two line prepared answer, as Jonathan Safran Foer did, that really works. And you're like, OK, fair enough. Moving right. on. Right. We asked it. You're not going to talk about it like. I get it. Life on goes to the on. next. Yeah. Um, I have a theory about him, which is I think he's actually better in person than he is in his writing, 
which is very unusual for wow. novelists. Okay. But I've seen him give talks and I've read his books and I th- and now I've read interviews and when he's not his own like editor or like when he's not the one like driving the content, I think he's a lot more likable. So he's like not that so I think like he's one of the few novelists who benefits from a press tour. Interesting. I would buy that. Yeah. Like, I think most novelists, like, who you, like, revere are letdowns in person. There are some exceptions. I would say, like, Michael Chabon, huge exception, wonderful human and writer. But, like, in general, a lot of novelists. Because just the life of a novelist is so hermetic. Yeah, it's true. I'm trying to think of any. It's, you know, let it marinate. But we'll definitely be coming back to JSF on this yes, podcast. Books out, too. He's a hot topic. Um, uh, more hot topics. Yesterday on the Daily Mail... There was a photo spread, as basically the way the Daily Mail does every day, every every minute of every hour of every day, of Joshua one. Jackson and Ruth Wilson sitting at one restaurant, Gemma, in New York for allegedly eight consecutive hours. So this is, let's give the Daily Mail a small amount of credit. Sure. Because we are so often hard on them, yes. as we should be. They usually deserve it. Right. Um, there is some investigative work being done here, which is that they noticed that there were two sets of photos on the same day, one with daylight and rosé, and one much later on the same day and nighttime with white wine. Right. And then apparently they had a source or someone who claimed that they were there the whole time. So they put it together that Joshua Jackson and Ruth Wilson uh, spent a lot of time on the sidewalk getting super drunk yesterday in New York City, which I say shout out to them. You had some questions. Would you like to would you like to surface your questions now? Y- yes. First of all, I just need to know where you stand on on Dawson's Creek, the television program. I'm American, an American who was born in 1984. Okay. Like I support Dawson's Creek. What's wrong with I just, you? I was team Pacey. I just, yeah, obviously. I had the J Crew catalog with all of them in the sweaters. Oh, that was so great. Yeah, that I remember was season what one. time Tate was not alive then. It he doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, oh. Okay, just checking. <laughs> it's fine, Tate. Um, Okay, I just I just needed to get that out of the way. Yeah, I like was so deeply invested in both Dawson's Creek and Felicity to a very very embarrassing point. So it's very very I hard. I mean, we were. I, I'm telling we you, teenagers. Amanda, I was I was really like, embarrassing, <laughs> like like really like uncomfortable extent. Like if you like, think like pictures in the locker, embarrassing. Or? Um, not quite there, but like was just so obsessed so many tears shed like i didn't like i had to like okay, really tears care shed about, about you. the show or like you're just like sitting at home on a thursday afternoon and they're <laughs> just like i need it like pacey and joey to get back together um like it was really like a constant topic like i was like a spoiler reader before spoilers were a thing like well, i would that's s- not surprising search out sides <laughs> and stuff like that and i i just was really really invested like i do you know the website dawsonscreekmusic.com no like it, it was like i i was like using the internet only for dawson's creek were you research. early on the television without pity yes that was where i'd get a lot that's of basically how television without pity started right yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, it's all to say like Joshua Jackson is like foundational. Wait, one more question. Sure. Um, was Dawson and Joey or Pacey and Joey more important to you? I hated Dawson. Great. I've always okay. hated Listen, Dawson. Listen, you and I are kindred spirits for a reason <laughs> and that's fine. And I just wanted to be sure. We're great. That's the correct answer. Moving on. Even at the age of 12, I knew sure. that I did not like a man who talked about his feelings that much. <laughs> I just always knew it. It was just too much for me. Um, anyway, Joshua Jackson is on The Affair now, which is probably one of my five favorite current television shows. And 
I just am so confused about his last week of life. He okay. recently announced he split <laughs> from his longtime love, supposedly, Diane Kruger. There were some uh, cheating rumors there. Cheating rumors about him cheating on her. And her cheating also, on I him. thought. I think, yeah, I think both ways. I think it was it was falling apart for yeah. a while there. But then there were pictures of them, like, hugging and stuff, like, at the They've airport. They've been together for, like, ten years. It's hard to, you know, you, yeah, you build a dis- life together. You can't just, like, disentangle. The romantic entanglements and the logistical and emotional support entanglements are, like, very different. Give them some space. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um. So And so now he's on the street, like, drinking with Ruth Wilson and I'm just like, are they dating? Or are they just like yeah. really good friends from the show? Why are you spending eight hours together when I know you already have to spend so much time together if you're not like really into each other? Like, I don't know. I, I have answers to all those questions. Okay. So let's start with are they dating? Yes. Definitely they are. Okay. Um, so I... Um, <laughs> There's a lot of group hugs in this photo spread, by the Great. way. Also, like- yeah, I just want to say, so we actually had a... We're really interested on this in, in this on the ringer. And uh, one of our writers, Allison Davis, did an important investigative piece about these photographs on the ringer today. Um, I would recommend that you all read it. I was in charge of photo research for that piece, which means that I looked at a lot of pictures of uh, Joshua Jackson and Ruth Wilson together in the last year. Yeah, those two are definitely sleeping together. Like, that's just, like, log into Getty, the evidence is there. It's fine. Shout out to them, both attractive people. I mean, on the show, their characters have the most chemistry. Like, so the show is basically about two divorced couples, one of them being joshua jackson and ruth wilson Mm -hmm. and the other is um mcnulty and helen that's her name on the show more tyranny yeah um and like the two separated couples have so much more chemistry than any of the other couples which actually in some ways is realistic Mm -hmm. but um it doesn't surprise me like they're clearly really into each other the first episode of the show that begins with them having like pretty graphic sex it is not very not not a lot of chemistry but that's because they're towards the end of their marriage yeah, but isn't that also only from her perspective? I think from his perspective, it goes pretty well, if I recall, which I is why The Affair is such a great television show. Anyway. I don't think we were getting Cole's perspective at that point. I mean, but I yeah, just imagine it. Sorry. Her, her perspective did make it look quite quite bad, but he, you know, yeah. he was maybe still in love. Um, okay, so they're sleeping they're together. They're definitely, like, I mean, I, that. I mean, I should be clear, I have absolutely no real knowledge or evidence but based on my impressions scrolling through photographs yes 100 percent, they're sleeping together okay um another observation is that he just has aged so well it's extraordinary does he work out all the time like how does how do you do that i mean he probably does i guess they all do but it's just you know he is like a peak example of the unfairness of like male versus female aging another thing is that men get to cover up their faces with beards True. Which really helps as well. Yeah. Because like does. he looks great with his beard. Know, he looks great clean too. I mean, and the style's really good. Totally. Totally. And then, okay, I actually, I, I looked at their wine as well. It looked like they may have transitioned <laughs> from like a light rosé to a they white. They did. Yes. Allison talks about this in the piece, but that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's a natural progression. Sure. sure. From you like s- the light sweetness of the daytime to like a more like a heartier, fuller bouquet in the evening. Right. It's just also like at some point, like you're in this for the long haul, you got to switch to the white. Right. It's just. Also, I appreciate they went with cold wines the entire time. It was a warm summer day. It's summer. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I know that you felt that eight hours was too long and like what's going on here. I think that you said as famous people staying in one position for eight hours is weird. That's like asking for attention. Well, I mean, which they clearly got, yeah, they got and it. maybe they don't care about that. 
I just, this is the most natural thing in the world. It makes me like them so much. I've, I have done this so many times. You meet for like an afternoon drink. It's a, it's a summer weekend. You don't have a lot going on. And yeah. then, oh, no, suddenly it's 6.30. Hmm, we should probably eat. Sure. And then like the next thing you know, you've had a couple after dinner drinks and it's like 11.30 and you're hugging the waiter and like taking pictures with fans and look drunk as hell, which they do at the end of these photographs. Shout out to them. I mean, that's not like a great day. It's Sounds fantastic. I, I do like a day where you like just don't really know what's going to happen. You go out for lunch, then you end up like here, there, who knows? Yeah. That's, I also like that. That doesn't happen in LA, by the way, which is one of the reasons why it's like, yeah, it's, it's a real New York scene. You don't get that kind of spontaneity when you are driving around. Right. You can't wander. They're, they're not wandering. They're no. just like at this exact same <laughs> They're table. holding court, which right. I also love. I like to go to a bar and just like pick one table and not move. Yes. Everyone come to me. My other theory is that they're st- they're at a restaurant, Gemma, that's in the Bowery Hotel. So there is a decent chance that we don't have like the 6 p.m. photograph where they're inside the hotel. Right. Uh, pursuing their relationship together. And I then would... they come back outside. But no change of clothes, which is important to note here. Yeah. And they look, <laughs> listen, the end of the photos look like they've been drinking for eight hours, which yeah. again, respect. I think it's great. I would love to have one of those days. Totally. I haven't had... You, you're right. You can't have them in LA, right? Really. I had one kind of like that a few months ago, back in July, mm-hmm. but not to this full extent. Now with this kind of like... They just seem like they're having a great time. So much joy and revelry is happening with them. Again, which is why they're sleeping together. Yeah, I definitely. hope they find happiness. I do too. That's Listen, beautiful. It's a, it's a long press tour. If Fair doesn't come back till November... Ugh, it's so far away. You I know. So, you have so much time to catch up, Amanda. I only have like four episodes left. Oh, great. It got a little dark. Oh, yeah. I was also, I feel like I've told you this before, but when I lived in New York, the affair filmed on this street one block over from me. Nice. It's like where Noah's family, where yeah. Maura Tierney lives. That house is next door. Uh, and they were just like a far too aggressive presence in my day-to-day life. Mm. A lot of traffic cones and whatnot. Sure, that'd be annoying. So Incredible. I, had to, I had to take an emotional break, but I'm ready again. <laughs> Have you seen the, the therapy episode yet with Cynthia Nixon? No. Oh, it's dynamite. Okay. Check it out. I do love television shows about therapy and therapists. Me too. Therapy and prison are my two favorite TV topics. (laughs) Before we move on, let's talk about our sponsors for a second. I would love to. Oh, yeah? Who do you want to tell me about? Juliet, I would like to tell you about MeUndies. Oh, please do. Uh, Juliet. Yes. uh, Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear. Or at least 18. At least 18. That's true. Um, I don't want to get into your sleeping time. Uh, Instead of making a statement like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring. Me Undies is here to change that. Every pair of Me Undies is made from sustainably sourced modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Damn. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of Me Undies, but once you try them on, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. And if you don't love your first pair of Me Undies, they're free, no questions asked. Me Undies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints. Oh, saucy. Ooh, to prints. help you make a statement with your underwear, whether anyone can see them or not. Um, shipping is free in the US and Canada, and you can save up to $8 a pair with the Me Undies subscription plan. Damn, that's savings. Underwear just arriving at your home. <laughs> that honestly does sound great. I know, especially like if you've run out of laundry. Sure, it's, hate it's, doing laundry. It's a great idea. Uh, get the subscription or a single pair if you don't want to commit. Uh, get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash jam. That's MeUndies.com slash jam for 20% off your first order. MeUndies.com slash jam. J-A-M. For Juliet and Amanda. Yeah. Give us credit for your underwear. Yeah. Give us that credit. 
Uh, one more, and then before we get back to the show, let's talk about Blue Apron. I'd love to. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients taste better and are better for you, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I cook with Blue Apron and absolutely love getting great meals delivered straight to my house. Every week, I'm always excited to try new foods I'd previously never think to make. In fact, today for lunch, I brought a Blue Apron recipe that's like these lamb and beef patties. They're really good. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, they are. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. And as a result, seafood is sourced sustainably, beef is raised humanely, and they even use regenerative farming practices for their best produce. Some of the meals available this month were spiced pork burgers with goat cheese and cucumber corn salad, summer vegetable and quinoa bowls, fairy tale eggplants, shishito peppers, and corn. I'm extremely hungry. That all sounds really good. <laughs> Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. Yep, that's three with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash jam. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash jam. All right, next topic. Renee Zellweger, back in the news. Renee Zellweger is back. Bridget Jones is back. Bridget Jones is coming. Yeah, we're going to talk about Bridget Jones. It's back in your heart because it's never left. It's really never left my heart. (laughs) Um, So there's a a variety, or sorry, there's a Hollywood Reporter profile of her that was conducted at some L.A. hotel while she was wearing her athleisure. They made a point of of making that clear. (laughs) And that basically, they also described her posture as, I believe, slumped or she's not sitting straight right up. that's let's just be clear about that she I has never sit up straight either for the record it's, Although maybe um, I will right it's now. natural like I really do I know like Engage your core, Amanda. I've thought have you ever had one of those balls like um, the exercise balls that you say your desk I've recently thought about doing it I have to but I can't bring myself what to if do we it. made a pact I don't know. Then we'd be those people. The thing that I think would be useful about it is that, like, I actually would throw it at people on occasion when they got really (laughs) mad at me. Like, at least once a day, there's someone that I want to throw, like, a giant bouncy ball at. It wouldn't hurt them, but just, like, I'm not fucking around. Boom. I think you should keep your chair and maybe we'll get you, like, some kind of Nerf gun. Oh, that's a great idea. That'll be even less painful. (laughs) Maybe. Okay. Back to Renee (laughs) Zellweger. So... There are a lot of clues in this piece uh, written by Laurie Sandell that uh, Renee Zellweger is just like extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, As she should be. From the posture to the sitting. And in the piece, it makes a point, the writer makes a point of saying like, I have interviewed her several times and this is the most uncomfortable I've seen her. Yeah. Which, and it's important to note like uncomfortable as opposed to like snobby and not wanting to be there, which is a big distinction. For sure. But the, the implication is essentially like, She's still really upset about, like, all the horrible things that we all said about her face. Right. Which is fair. Totally. And so I have been thinking a lot about, it's very interesting how Renee Zellweger has become sort of the poster child for plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Even though hers is, if she even had it, she says she didn't. Right. Is really not very drastic right. at all. I suppose I should say being the poster child for, quote, having work done. Yeah. Unquote. Right. Um, and... What's in- I mean, that's interesting in its own right. And I, how we talk about plastic surgery is interesting. And I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, and like what exactly plastic surgery is. But also, you know, normally when there's someone who like got a celebrity who got bullied and or got, got called fat or pregnant or whatever, and then they give their interview where they respond to the criticism, it's like, I'm great and I don't care and all women should be stronger. And right. there's like a very empowered, like kind of like Jennifer Aniston's having to ex- post piece. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. And this is a piece where Renee Zellweger is trying really hard to do that. Yeah. But she's mostly just being like, it really fucked me up and I try to ignore it now. And you guys are all assholes. Yeah. I 
mean, it, it would too. And as people who talk about yes. celebrity appearances all the time, we can yes. be fairly callous. And like, if someone talked about me that way, I would probably run away crying. Totally. Well, part of it is that she really became the amount of attention on like one set of photographs that mm-hmm. were really just her walking down the street was insane. It was really disproportionate. And yeah. then there became like the reaction to the reaction of like, why are we talking this way yeah. about her face? And it like she she kind of became whenever we talk about how people talk about yeah. celebrity appearances, like her line or like her name will be in that paragraph. Absolutely. Which is weird and sort of just like a lightning in a bottle thing that happened to her that maybe shouldn't happen. Yeah. And I think also she is someone who um, was really famous. Yes. Last decade. Continues to be really famous, but is not, doesn't like embrace celebrity life in the same way. So when she does pop up, it's like noteworthy. Totally. And then that's why she gets scrutinized again. Where like, is it's like, you know, if you see someone every day, you don't notice the changes in them. That's true. But it's a lot like, well, she goes away for a while and lives her life and then comes back. And so like you, so like people, you only have like the most recent pictures to compare her to for the most part. And then it becomes like over scrutinized and it's, it's not really fair. It's really not fair. The other thing that's really interesting as I was thinking about this, and I do want to go back to the part about how we talk about mm. people's appearances all sure. the time. We as a like a world, and also you and me, which yeah, we do. totally. <laughs> like let's let's be Every honest. Day. Like that's what this podcast is in part about. Like we're not trying to avoid the the consequences, but um, plastic surgery is a particularly interesting one because. Like, what are the socially acceptable ways to talk about someone's appearance? You can always say they look great. Mm -hmm. You can say, like, whatever that you can always speak positively about them. You can kind of, like, you you can be like, they look healthy or unhealthy, which is sort of coded for weight. Yeah, absolutely. Or, like, drugs or whatever. Like, good for her for embracing her curves. Right, right. Or And you can talk in sort of empowerment ways, but you can't call someone, like, fat without getting in trouble people do it all the time because people are assholes but like the daily mail does it all the time like in quote civilized society you can't call someone fat you can't call someone ugly but weirdly and i i guess it's because like plastic surgery is a choice sure you can comment really actively on someone's like face right and just be like what did they do to their face it looks horrible which is it's like a loophole for extremely harsh criticism that we just accept totally normally and like you and i have both done it yeah absolutely especially like to bradley cooper who i like for some reason don't feel the need to apologize to as profoundly because there are standards of men and women and aging and what's acceptable and what's not it's super different but you are just allowed to call a woman like old or ugly as long as it's in the guise of what kind of work is done right and like you know there's not a lot of articles about the about male plastic surgery like it's true. There's a ton about women. Like, Courtney Cox right now is, like, addressing her plastic surgery and how she regrets it. Like, I can think of, like, five celebrities off the top of my head, all women, who yes. have, like, there are articles about how they regret their plastic surgery. I've never seen, like, you know, I don't, I can't confirm that, like, Bradley Cooper or Tom Cruise have had plastic no, surgery. That's true. But they haven't been asked to address it. Yeah, it's very true. I can also think of, you know, 15 women off the top of my head, like, where I have had thoughts sure. about the work that they've had done that, you know, I'm... I'm not the most discreet person in general. So like I've probably (laughs) spoken in ways that were unfair about it, but it's, yeah, we, I, I realize that I don't think enough about this in terms of just how savage you can actually just like be about someone's face. And I, again, I don't think it's realistic to say we're not going to talk about how people look. It's part of being a celebrity. It's also just part of being a human. Mm -hmm. Like you're always, looks matter. 
looks matter. Like you notice it. And I'm not, you know, some weird hippie dippy idealist. So like practically speaking, it's not realistic to be like, we're not going to talk about how someone looks. Sure. Just like we're always going to be interested in who's sleeping with who. Just that's just that's <laughs> it's human nature. We just sure. are. There are better and worse ways to talk about it. Yeah. And this made me realize that particularly with plastic surgery, we we could possibly be more responsible. And the thing is, I actually support plastic surgery a lot of the time. It's true. Like for like regular people, if there's something that you're really self-conscious about or like, you know, makes it really hard for you and you can afford to surgically alter that, I actually support it. Like if you hate your nose and you, it'll make you easier for you to be in the world by having a nose job, go for it. I think, and <laughs> I don't really support, I don't buy choice feminism overall, but in terms of what you, how you want to look. Yeah. Within, you know, as long as you are respecting yourself and sure, it's for you as opposed to like, yeah, exactly. Which is another hugely complicated thing, but whatever. It's how you look. Live your life. Right. And Live also, your life. There's just so many different ways that people spend money on how they look, like from That's their true. clothes to diet products, to exercise classes, to plastic surgery. Really true. Like they're all tied up in each other. And you're so right that the language we use for plastic surgery is particularly harsh and judgmental. Whereas I think it's related to what you just said. Like if you choose to spend a ton of money on working out, there's like a certain level of like effort that goes into that. Right. And it's is, like there's something kind of puritanically. Yeah. Yeah. better like, about it there's a is, reason why there's a cliche about like blood sweat and tears you know yeah, right so, so emphasis on sweat in that one yeah but you're right and like and renee zellweger became like the emblem of like the unfair plastic tree uh, plastic surgery language yeah and i felt i feel bad about it i feel bad i support her i also just another thing that i want to say and i think everything else we just said is really important but like she didn't look that different people no. need to chill and also Whatever may or may not have happened or whatever weird angle that photograph was taken, like she looks like an older version of herself now. Yeah. It, it it's fine. So I know. There, like you, it's like you're just not allowed to get old. Yeah. There was a big to do um about a variety article a few weeks ago that you know, I don't know. I'm not gonna throw stones, but it I didn't care for it. The article was talking about how an actress's appearance matters and so you can comment about an mm. actress like an actress aging or what the actress has done to her face because it's like part of a film which like i guess is true but no yeah like if you're going to talk about it you're going to talk about it i honestly think kind of think wrapping it in some sort of artistic moral whatever is silly yeah but within that i just th- it's stupid. She looks like herself. If you watch the new Bridget Jones trailer, it looks like a 40-year-old version of Bridget Jones. I honestly don't get it. I agree with you. I agree with you, too. And also, you know, I think a lot of it is just you get used to, like, like if you think about Renee Zellweger, you probably think about her as Bridget Jones in the first mm-hmm. one or as in Jerry Maguire. And, like, yeah. that's that. those movies were, like, 20 years ago. Yeah. People change. They do. You know and what? You know what doesn't change, though? How great Bridget Jones is. <laughs> Let's talk about the movie for a I'm second. I'm ready. Or I'm maybe not ready. I'm really excited for this movie. I like that we learned about all her research that she's been doing for this, like trailing someone on Good Morning Britain because she has a new TV job on the, right, on the movie. Technically, she had a TV job in the first one. I guess yeah, it was she's just a presenter. Like, yes. I don't. That's my British accent. <laughs> Sounds good as, as uh, Renee's. Um, I'm pretty excited to to see Patrick Dempsey in this world, too. I was, Are you? I was not before. Last time we discussed it, I was like, why does she need an American? But... I just kind of miss Patrick Dempsey. So I'm excited to have him back. <laughs> I'm excited to have Colin Firth back. Me too. What's he been up to, Colin Firth? 
he was like he was in a weird movie about publishing or something like old timey publishing over the summer. I can't remember the he name was? of that it now. Like right on my alley. I think Jude Law was in it too. Oh my honestly. god! How did I miss this movie? I know. Um, it was called Genius. The other thing that Renee Zellweger mentioned is that they don't make movies like Bridget Jones anymore. It's true. And movies for you and me. It's true. And I'm glad that she's like on our on our side. I don't know what to do about this. There seems to be like hopeless hopeless cause we can't get rom-coms oh that they're back. never going to make rom-coms or mid-budget yeah movies that don't involve like explosions ever mm-hmm. again yeah they're just not going to it's yeah. over i think that honestly kind of like streaming services and that's all our, <clears throat> all we have hope for like will the and like prestige cable and will it even th- make like easy a ever again the emma stone movie that pushed her forward too that was kind of like it's her true. moment um no probably not not like what what did teenage girls want to see at the movies because, like, that's when I fell for Bridget Jones. I think that they don't go to the movies, so which is why uh, they will stop seeing them. Damn. And then we'll just have, like, beauty blogger, like, TV series on Showtime. I don't know. Like, What I, a bleak future. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there is, there's a show divorce coming out oh, yeah. on HBO. HBO. In the fall, that's uh, written by Sharon Horgan, who wrote Catastrophe, and it's starring Jess- Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, there is a mini series next year called Big Little Lies. Oh yeah, which You're is excited. Yeah, which I'm very excited. It's by my my pal Leanne Moriarty. Read the new Leanne Moriarty book on my trip. It's fantastic. And actually, also Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon just optioned that one too. Uh, but so I guess like television, you know, things for women are now just like on television and maybe they'll throw you know they're throwing us bones that way but i don't think they'll make movies anymore like the money is just not there it's really it's really a bummer yeah it is um something else i learned from this article which i assume you knew is that renee zellweger and reese witherspoon were best friends did you know that i actually raised my eyebrows at that and i was wondering whether that's true or whether that's a thing where they were photographed once and it's like trying to pack as many celebrities into a profile so that people will read it right and renee would not help with that because she wouldn't name any of her friends that's true all her friends were writers yeah a thing that i really the thing i learned was that she took screenwriting classes yeah, and like wrote, a, wrote a pilot for lifetime that was actually made but then didn't get picked up should we pick it up for the, for the ringer for, i'm, for I'm 100 percent. i'm available to co-produce the series with <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Uh, also, the day before the interview was done, she had attended a day-long seminar on great female voices. So I would love to know who's it's on like that reading list. She's really finding herself. Gertrude Stein? Into it. I don't know. I mean, like, who's a great female voice? That was the first one I thought of. Leanne Moriarty. <laughs> so maybe both. From Stein to Moriarty, a survey course. A day-long seminar is, like, a lot. I don't ever want to do a day-long seminar. I mean, what? It's probably, like, five hours total. You get a lunch break. It's fine. Ugh. She's a busy person. She's got to pack it into one day. You're you know? right. I like that she's a commu- committed to continuing her education. Here's my thing. Okay. Do you think that Bridget Jones' baby will be good? No. I, that's that's I, I keep toying with this because I there's my heart in my head, you know? Who directed it? Sharon McGuire, who directed the oh, first okay. Bridget Jones, which is good. And uh, Helen Fielding helped co- write the screenplay along with Emma Thompson. But has Helen Fielding lost her fastball? Because her books have not been good in a while. Um, well, she has Emma Thompson to help her. That's true. I didn't know Emma Thompson got was a screenwriter. Yo, Emma Thompson wrote Sense and Sensibility oh, and won that. the Oscar. And I will bring to you. I would like. Okay, I'm sorry I to offend you, you. And I would like to recommend this to all Jam Session readers. You can buy the screenplay of Sense and Sensibility and 
included in it is uh, Emma Thompson's diary. Oh, cool. From shooting, which is, okay, it's amazing because Emma Thompson is a wonderful person and is very funny sure. and it's really endearing. Unfortunately, it does not get into her personal life on the set at all, by which mm-hmm. I mean it does not chronicle the romance between her and her now husband, Greg Wise, who played Willoughby. Was, so, like, I don't yeah. want you to get your hopes Missed up. Missed opportunity. I don't want you to get your hopes up, and then you don't find that in the book. But the diaries are really great. I've read them twice. You can own the screenplay. Emma Thompson is a queen. So so it could be good. Okay. That's that's great. Let's bring hope to the situation. I would like it to be good for Renee as well. It just, and, I, for my, and for me. This article is tough because she just is clearly is so anxious she's so anxious i want her to feel better totally she's also like living she's like living the fake free california life that natalie portman was talking about (laughs) we're like if you wear the gym clothes then it must be true it is not true that you're you're free if you if you wear your gym clothes when you shouldn't be so i would basically like it to succeed for everyone involved and also for the future of women in cinema me too it's a lot of expectations though <laughs> the future of women in cinema hanging on the <laughs> on the fate of Bridget Jones is a little disturbing yeah but it might be true one failure and who knows you get another shot couple weeks I'm ready <laughs> I'm ready let's um, find out I can't, I'm excited I, I'm like really like leaning into autumn I've just written off summer like it's over I think that's great okay thanks. I support you in that it's you know I just feel like what has this summer done for me I'm over it once the Olympics ended I was ready to move on also, September's a really nice month in LA. Is it? Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about the fact that there's going to be no fall. There isn't. Like, you go from, like, hot days in October to the sun setting at, like, 5 p.m. in November. And you're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. And it's, like, chilly and you need a sweater. At least it's chilly and you need a sweater. Yeah, though. I like it. I mean, it's it's nice here year-round. But there is not, like, a there's not a fall. September and October are, like, still, like, basically summer here. Great. Get I'm, ready for it, Amanda. I can't wait. That and Bridget <laughs> Jones. Bring it on. Um, Let's move on. Last topic of the day. I want to talk about art books and how they <laughs> and how they decorate celebrities' homes. And it came to my attention twice this week. One Great. one was when I was watching Seventy Three Questions with Kendall Jenner. Um, did you watch that? I did. I watched it in preparation for this podcast because I do research. Okay, great. Um, I appreciate that. And we'll talk about it in a second. And the other one was in the photo spread in People Magazine of the um, home of Steph and Aisha Curry. Yes, which I was really excited about, as celebrity real estate is one of my favorite Um, They have one photo, Steph and Aisha, where it's like just of art books. And the books they have are, one's called The American Style. One is uh, a Susan Sontag, Annie Leibovitz joint, Women. And one is um, Fashion by Richard Siff, I think. Okay. Someone someone Siff. And which room in the house? Um... It's like in like the living room next to two vases with dried flowers and like a modern looking lamp. Right. Oh, okay. there's I just clicked through there's also an art book on the the living room table. That yeah. Just says Africa. Says Africa. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. Okay. And uh Kendall Jenner and her mom's home, they had a lot of like art Toshin books. Right. Especially when you walk right in the Yeah. As soon as she opens the door, there's the shot right there. Yeah. There's a lot of them. There was just a lot of them. And I don't think that anyone in Chris Jenner's home spends more than 20 minutes a week reading stuff on paper. Okay. So- that, okay. That said, I have two, <laughs> two questions in response. Okay. Um, What's the last book you think Kim Kardashian read? Other than Selfie, her own book. 
I have literally no idea. I was watching the recent, I was watching the Cuba episodes of the Kardashians, which were on recently. And she, I'm so sorry that I'm already laughing. She and Courtney go to Hemingway's home in Cuba and listening to them trying to talk about the Hemingway and his, like what he means to them was, what do they say? Um, like, I wish that I could recreate the line delivery of Kim Kardashian saying, I read The Old Man in the Sea in high school. Um, it was not. And now I love fishing. <laughs> it was legit. <laughs> it was basically that. It was so unnatural. She, like, didn't know what emphasis to put on the word in, like, Old Man in the Sea. Old Man in the Sea. Yeah. she. It was clearly, Old Man in the Sea. It was clearly the fifth, Old man in the sea. fifth time that they'd said it while she's, like, climbing out of a convertible. And then one of them, I can't remember, does... One of the voiceovers being like, we were so glad to go see Ernest Hemingway's house because his work was like, I don't, I think they're just like, because we had to read his books in high school. I think maybe they don't even front, but it was really, really, really inspiring. So I don't think that they've read that many books. That said, this was my first point. If they're going to read books, they're going to read books with like pictures. That's a good point. They're just always like flipping through a fucking art book to be like this is inspiration for my next shoot you know art books in my experience only exist for like fashion people to be like i was so inspired by this 1973 like print of like moroccan rug whatever um they're the only people reading them which is part two of my question to you is like who reads art books i think in in my mind the purpose of an art book is you have it like you buy it you mm-hmm. read it once and then you put it in a place like it's like a trophy. But there is like a time in which you read it, like one time. And I just don't I just don't know if that happens with many people whose decorators buy them books. Which I f- feel like is all people who have art books in their home. Yeah. Do you have art books in your home? Uh no, I don't. Okay. I once bought my parents an art book. I bought them the Tasha in New York book. Did they read it? I think they read part of it. Okay. It's on the coffee table. Okay. That's it's nice. a great it's a great book. We have no art books in my home. We have my collection of Hello magazines. That's nice. Um, like on display. I, the only art book I've ever purchased is, in fact, Selfie, which doesn't count as an art book. And I still have not read it. Um, that was given to me as a present. I read part of it. Not all of it. I mean, you're not even reading. You're just flipping through. Yeah, what is the purpose of an some, art book anyway? Besides, notes for, I just feel like art books what are... What is so, the purpose of an art book? It's just supposed to sit on the table. So I'm not mad at all the people in the 73 questions for having their art books out on display. But like, do they even know the significance of these books? No. <laughs> that bothers me. It just does. Like, I don't think you should be able to like perform intellectual curiosity like you're curious or you're not get does out of an, town does an art book even signify intellectual curiosity at I this mean, point I think it used to yeah it's been corrupted I'm just upset about the corruption of this symbol what is the best art book that you've ever read um hmm, that's a great question mm, I think there's some good like the, like the Toshin City books are good like Toshin's New York Toshin's LA those are pretty good okay there's also a really good Toshin Muhammad Ali book Okay. That one's really good. I mean, Toshin is, you know, top sure. of the line art book. No, I believe I'm go they're good. Toshin, Toshin Muhammad Ali book is really good. Okay. I'm just trying to understand, like, the place that art books had in your life that they have, like, now been defamed <laughs> and they can no longer, I think it's just like, more, be respected as art books. I think it's more that it bothers me that the Kardashians were, like, so they just have, like, 
it just bothers me that they've like figured it out. They figured out how to, <laughs> how to like perform a kind of wealth and a kind of lifestyle that I don't feel they've earned. Like, I don't know. But I know that's ridiculous. I know that's ridiculous. No, no, no. And, no, and no, it's also Kendall's like a high fashion model. So like that is her world. But I still right, just think sort like. Of. No, I think that's a really interesting point. And I like I understand. I'm also I think the fact that they have figured it out so completely is fascinating. Yeah, like they are lowbrow. Like they are like they are. Like let's just be frank. Like but they have figured out how to perform something else. And that's like bothers me and is also interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Thank I you. I think it's I think it's interesting. I don't know why I'm not bothered by it because I'm bothered by so many things. Um It's just like if you can perform curiosity and you can perform like interests what do people who are not rich and are not beautiful have to go for on for themselves you know yeah no it's fair (laughs) that might sound very defensive because it is but but like i don't know it's just like i find it vexing also as like two people who really like to read and like to read books that's true like the the fact that they're just like tokens without meaning also bothers me but like there are books. They're just pictures. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't feel threatened. I do. Like, if they had a stack of Kate Atkinson books and I was just like, yeah, okay, but, like, tell me what you actually think happens out of the end of A God in Ruins and they couldn't, like, I would be upset. <laughs> but I'm not because it's just, like, a fucking picture. It's fine. I would love love to imagine the Kardashians doing, like, a book group with Kate At- Atkinson and, like, Emma Donahue's greatest works. Yeah, no, it would be incredible. It would be amazing. Um... It's like it would be like that scene in Did you ever see uh Kicking and Screaming, the Noah Baumbach yeah. version when they do the book club of uh No Country for Old Men? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and it's just like, well, it's great that we all speak Spanish. And <laughs> and it goes from there. I recommend that movie. Um I you were right. If they had books with words in them, I would be upset. But I am just on my pedestal of like, well, textbooks are superior, so I don't feel threatened by art books. <laughs> I don't know which of us is more elitist at this moment. I don't know either, but I just feel more threatened by the Kardashians, I think, which is, this is, that's my anxiety. You know, you're more at peace with them. I think they're fascinating. Yeah. I like, I always. You also accept them into your life and I try to keep them at bay, but I can't. Yeah. I just do find them soothing and ridiculous to watch. It is really interesting. It's the only reality empire that I've really invested in long term. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm probably having a lot of the discoveries about how reality TV works and like what's real and what's not. And it's so interesting to watch people kind of manipulate the story and how these things work um, on that show. And I think you figured that out like 15 years ago on like housewives or whatever. And that's great. You're ahead of me. Um, No. So I find it interesting. It's also a good way to keep up on like, it's amazing that it's at this point because they are such celebrities. It's the best access we have to celebrities right now is that show. Because there is always something like real and interesting on that show that you will only find. They're amazing celebrities, as I think also I'm interested in them. They've sure. like figured out how to work all the platforms and just like make this work better than anyone else, as we saw with the Snapchat. Yeah. Snapchat tapes. So I, it is as someone who's interested in like the process celebrity, I find them very interesting. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. And also, so now it's just like the art books are just like a, a vestige of their celebrity. It's yeah. like, it's nothing but the fact that they like, someone told them to buy these to like look a certain way. Yeah. But just, they did. And, just na- like and now they like look, a, you know. Yeah. We really worked through this. This, ang- we did. this art book anxiety. 
How did you feel about the 73 questions in general before we go? With with KJ? Yeah. Um, so my least favorite Kardashian is Kris Jenner. And she, okay. she continued to hold that mantle based on her weird cameo of like her doing fake construction in Kendall's room. Yeah, that was very weird. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought their house was not as exciting as I was hoping for. Um, like compared to some of the other homes, it wasn't that quirky. It was kind of like down yeah, the line. It's also, I mean, that, that house is on the show. But it's like the ground zero of the show. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was fine. I think I think she's really pretty. Like I, she's really pretty, and I was actually impressed by like her presence. Yeah, she's got she's because got models don't always. Once models start talking, it's not always the same experience. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, Kate Moss famously, I think. I think it was Johnny Depp who told her not to talk, which mm. like that's another horrible. Fuck you, Johnny Depp. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yes, it's a terrible thing. But for a long time, she didn't give interviews, and that's the mystique of Kate Moss is is much stronger when she doesn't she, speak. Yeah, um, which I'm is je- horrible, and we shouldn't silence women. But whatever. Um, I'm jealous that Kendall Jenner is dating ASAP Rocky. Yeah, he's really handsome. He's extremely handsome. Good looking couple. Um, I thought it was fine. I don't know. I'm not like transfixed by her. She's uh, to me the least offensive Kardashian. Chris is the worst and Kendall's the best. Interesting. Um, I know a lot of people like Courtney and I, Chloe. Yeah. I'm here for Courtney. Um, the one time I've never heard her speak. I don't know what her voice sounds like. She's the worst at acting and mm-hmm. also the worst at caring. <laughs> so a lot of times she'll just be like this, like, I hate you or this is so dumb or she'll just be like remember when Kim was on the cover of K9 magazine which is a real thing that happened which is incredible Uh, but I yes I do love Courtney though one time my husband told me that all of the all of the Kardashians I was a Courtney and I started crying (laughs) like I actually started crying I thought that was like a mean thing and I started crying so I should admit that I Um, I don't know what to say (laughs) one other thing that happened while you were gone related to the Kardashians incredibly cute pictures of St. West He's, oh my god, he's so cute! I he saw those. Those so made it. cute. Those those are global. He is like a delicious baby. Yeah. Oh my god, he's they cute. Make, they make incredibly cute babies. Yeah, Nori is really cute now too. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to call her Nori? I am. I'm I'm willing to as well. Though it makes me think of the rapper Noriega. Um, I have a friend who has a child who was born around the same time, and they also decided to call their kid Nori. Oh, I hmm. think before it became a thing. Oh, that's but tough. I. Yeah, but it does it does make me more used to the idea of a nori in the okay. world. Okay, thanks for working through my art book problems with me. Sure, thanks for listening to my Kardashians theories. I think we really made some emotional progress on this podcast. It's great. It's so good to be back with you. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Blue Apron. Thanks to Me Undies, and we'll be back soon. Bye. 